It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello and welcome to the Media Podcast. My name is Nick Wallace. On today's show, the police uncovered a Sun journalist's source by going to his phone company and asking for his records, which were duly handed over. How on earth can journalists protect their sources in the digital age? And also, we're going to find out a little bit more about the new chair of the BBC Trust, talk highlights from the next radio conference and play with Channel 4's relaunched online player. Plus, we have our world-famous quiz in which one of our guests could win a Cadbury's cream egg. Ooh! Very good, thank you. This is the Media Podcast. Podcast sponsored by Audioboom. So Ollie Man is away eating cheese somewhere in the Tuscan countryside. In his absence, we've decided to decamp from our Soho studio and hide. We're at the Hospital Club in Covent Garden and I'm joined by the broadcaster and podcaster Helen Zaltzman and the creative director of Folder Media and all-round radio guru Matt Deegan. Welcome to you both. Helen, the big question, will you be buying an Apple Watch? No, I don't, well, I don't wear a watch. I haven't worn uh, a watch since 2004. Well, your opportunity to spend up to £300 on a watch. Where, I have the opportunity to spend up to £15 on a watch, and I still haven't taken that. Really? Why yeah. not? How do you tell the time? Using a phone. But then you have to get it out of your pocket. That's the whole thing about Apple Watch. That, that dispenses with the need to remove your phone from your pocket to it's tell the, the time. Uh, well, women don't have pockets anyway, so you know we're already inconvenienced. Huh, well, therefore, you're, you're going to be like it. that. I'll talk to a man. <laughs> Matt, it's not my you... fault. It's a society. <laughs> okay, it's a thing, is it? Uh, Matt, will you be buying an Apple Watch? Do you care? I thought there was a disproportionate focus on health in the watch, and as I'm singly <laughs> unhealthy, I thought I will not need any of those it's apps. A guilt watch, isn't it? Uh, uh, I have a pocket for my phone. Uh, and time is such a linear uh, construct anyway. Oh, we don't have to, to worry about I, I take a grandfather clock with me. That's a very good idea. Yeah, it's in, <laughs> that's a well, very it's sensible suggestion. But, you know, I don't actually saves me getting it out of my pocket. And will you all be buying a new iPod because it comes free with U2's new album? In fact, apparently it gets downloaded to everyone who's got a copy of iTunes. Someone was saying, what's this U2 virus that's been spreading <laughs> around? Uh, someone said, though, 500 million iTunes customers and only 200,000 had chosen to accept U2. That, that's good, isn't it? Well, we were doing a bit of playing on my Apple-branded product before the podcast started, and the U2 album is already on it oh. without me yeah. even accepting it. Can they count how many people delete it immediately and factor that into what uh, the record sales <laughs> stats will be? There's a lovely line from Alex Hearn in The Guardian saying, as the company focused the world's attention on stage of Cupertino's Flint Centre, it was carrying out a murder in the wings. They've killed the iPod classic. Aww. Apple are no longer going to be... 
Okay, so well, let's talk about some serious stories, uh, and this one is particularly close to my heart. Uh, we've known for a while now that we are all under some degree of state surveillance, with governments in the US and UK snooping on emails and phone calls under the guise of national security. But journalists are afforded a level of protection under the law for the protection of sources, or at least you would have thought they were. That seems to be at an end with the revelation that the Met were able to uncover a source of the Sun's political editor Tom Newton Dunn by the simple expedient of going to his mobile phone service provider and asking them to hand over his records. They did this to discover the names of three whistleblowers connected with the Plebgate affair in 2013, all of whom have now been sacked by the Met. Matt, I mean, as someone it? who was speaking to someone only yesterday who would lose their job if their boss knew they were talking to me, I feel a little bit worried by this development. I mean, is it really just actually a bit of a cock-up? Did they do a sneaky request and it all got approved? Uh, had they gone through the proper channels, it would have been vetoed along the way. But people lost their jobs as a result of this cock-up and you obviously, as a journalists would want to mitigate against that happening. Alan Rusbridger, editor of The Guardian, says journalists should learn end-to-end cryptology oh yes that they should do everything over tor the dark web but then who's saying they go on tour and then they just log into their gmail you can't log into anything with a name when you're on tour what happens on tour, <laughs> stays on tour clearly. um yeah buy a few machine guns while you're down there is it how easy or otherwise is it to encrypt what you are doing when you're talking to people or emailing them i think it's all doable but it it needs knowledge both ends uh, and someone that wants to spread the word about something in their organisation is probably hasn't got um, PPP or encrypted email to be able to do that kind of stuff. Um, I, think there, I think there are some things which are, well, there are some, if you use anything owned by another company, be that Gmail or Twitter or, or a phone and the, the metadata of your phone records being owned by your company, you're always going to uh, have an intermediary that, that could be approached. There are some companies that do better than others about giving up data Twitter, oddly, are pretty um, tough with uh, requests from from governments. Now, they will give in, uh, but they seem to give in less than others. Um, So maybe a DM, maybe creating a a separate account, trying to get them to follow you back and sending a a direct message is on the level of security not bad, but uh, otherwise it's probably notes and meeting in person. Join Google Plus because no one else is on there. No one's looking. <laughs> you can talk about you can it hide in, on Google Plus. Yeah, in I mean, uh, mm. uh, do you think? I mean, as the executive director of the Society of Editors, Bob Satchwell said, we are rapidly waltzing into a police state where the Met can help themselves to everyone's phone records. Well, uh, I think one of the ways that the hackers uh, got some of the nude celebrity photos that leaked a couple of weeks ago was they were using police software that clones your entire phone system. So they had a whole copy of some of the people's phones, which uh, was uh, rather concerning news to me. So the police can take the copies and later use them in evidence, but they could just hang on to them for a while. But on the other hand, you think the police is so often completely chaotic that who's going to sift through all this data to find the finer points of my correspondence? It is a little bit worrying because, as I say, with the person I was speaking to yesterday called me on my mobile phone yeah. and then there is now a track record of that person calling me. That person could lose their job if the Met decided that he might be committing a crime, which he wasn't, I'd mm. like to yeah. make quite clear. But uh, what do I have to do? Phone boxes and oh. getting all your news from oh. a shoeshine boy. Pigeons, maybe. Mm. Who knows? Well, what advice would you give to journalists who want to encrypt their conversations, uh, Matt? I think there's something, uh, I don't know whether I'd give it, whether I'm qualified to give advice, I think there probably is something about telling sources, be this on on your website or on your news organisation's website, how you recommend people get in touch with you. Um, Because actually sometimes it can be quite difficult to 
get hold of journalists and it might the only option might be to ring reception at the Guardian and ask them to, to put them through because there's actually nowhere else to do that. Uh, but putting a link to a, a web page to say, hey, here are some options, uh, is probably a good start before we even get into sort of uh, more complex methods of encryption. That is actually quite wise advice. Thank you very much, Matt Deakin. And uh, the Press Gazette, uh, which obviously uh, writes for the interests of journalists and campaigns on their behalf, has set up a petition called Save Our Sources. And if you have at all any interest in this, I would read what they have to say and sign it, because it's going to go to the Information Commissioner, and hopefully he will jump up and down about this, because it is a worrying development. So let's move on to talk about the... I don't quite understand exactly what this woman's status is. She's called Rona Fairhead and she is about to become the new chair of the BBC Trust. She is the new chair of the BBC Trust. She is the favoured candidate. How is how does this happen, Helen Zaltzman? She has to compete in many Herculean tasks. That'd be brilliant if they yeah. put all the candidates through some kind of televised sporting event. Like, like Krypton Factor. Factor. Oh hey, my goodness. There's a, there's a reference that will get the kids going. I believe there's a sorting hat at the end <laughs> and then yeah. she's in. So she was she was in front of being grilled in front of MPs, uh, the only person being grilled in front of MPs as the putative candidate, mm. as the leading candidate. Who decides this kind of thing? Well, it's also a, a new thing. So historically, the, the select committee didn't have the chance to do this. It was sort of done by a, a selection committee, but they've sort of elbowed their way into the process. I mean, I, I didn't watch it all I watch parts of it I mean talk about a self-serving bunch of MPs pushing their own agenda onto someone who uh, has just got a job and has obviously done as much research as she can I I thought she did before we before we go to her performance can we can we talk about her status she had she is going to be the the, the new chair of the BBC Trust with her or no is that right? I, I believe so. I because believe the, so. the, the so terms she, in so which she was being described in, in this select committee report was the favoured candidate. So the government have decided that she's going to chair the BBC Trust and what? The select committee ratify it? I, I, have uh, I think the select committee uh, didn't have the chance to de-ratify it, uh, but they endorsed it. Chris Patton resigned in May, I think, st- stood down because of his heart problems. And Diane Coyle, who was on the board of the BBC Trust, has been uh, interim chair until Ms Fairhead appeared but I don't quite know when she's due to actually well, start I've just done a quick Wikipedia which of course means this is absolutely true uh, it says here that uh, Fairhead will officially take up the BBC Trust role on the 9th of September so she was already uh, the chair of the BBC Trust OK what did you make of it, Helen? Well, she'd be, I, I thought it was really funny when they were saying, oh, yeah, yeah, are you qualified to do the job? And uh, she was like, well, my family love watching Sherlock and we all watched Strictly <laughs> the other day. As if watching BBC programmes is the qualification you need to lead such an organisation. She's also got some very interesting baggage with her as well. There is Apparently she's embroiled in some kind of court case, which obviously we won't go too deeply into, but she has form when she was... Uh, a director of Pearson responsible for uh, tax and treasury matters at the uh, at the company there and uh, set up all sorts of interesting companies based in Luxembourg which again a lot of people say is not great for a position of public probity like the chair of the BBC Trust. It is a charming tiny country with an excellent Christmas market but yes it does raise uh, certain questions about companies <laughs> that are based there. first attracted you to the tax haven Luxembourg? Was it the charming Christmas markets? Maybe the uh, excellent potato cakes. Um, she was also at the FT wasn't she for, for she was years and years. But maybe that's what you need in a person, someone who runs businesses, not somebody who is uh, deep into TV media empire. As a businessman Matt, do you think you need someone who runs businesses running the BBC Trust? Uh, well, it's an interesting body, isn't it? Because she is there to uh, represent licence fee payers, keep an eye on what the BBC executive do. It's an oversight one. It's an oversight position. 
It's a very uh, visible uh, oversight position. Um, so you're just there to get fired when something goes wrong? Yeah, right? well, there's, a, there's a little bit of the, the buck stops there, based on a buck that you've had nothing to do with <laughs> up, to, up to that point. Uh, her board experience is, is useful. She's worked in a media company. She, un- she understands that side. I thought she did very well uh, in front of the select committee. You don't achieve the level of success she has achieved by being not very good. So mm. I'm sure she's going to be excellent. She was, she was unfazed by fulminating MPs with axes to grind. Mm. What's the it, salary? It's it's something like a hundred and seventy grand, isn't it? I think mm-hmm. for four, ha- uh, four days a week, or for something? a few, uh, for a couple of days a, it's a week. Pocket money to someone uh, like that. But, but also, I think you clearly do not do that job for the money, yeah. do you? Because it is a. What do you do it for then? You uh, do it to become a member of the establishment, presumably. Well, I think you, you could argue that she already was a member of the establishment. She was on government committees. But if someone offered you the chance to be the chairman of the of the BBC Trust, it's like it's oh, nice that's, to get asked, that's interesting, isn't it? Isn't it? It's rude to turn it down. Deegan perhaps. for chair. Deegan for chair. It's only a matter of time. Yeah, probably. I reckon ten years. <laughs> put Deegan on chair. Uh, okay. I'm not sure I'd jump at the chance of of being in in that in that place. Oh, a couple of days of work a week though. Yeah. You can fit it Just in. Just phone it in. Phone yeah. it. Okay. <laughs> Maybe when she goes sick, we'll yeah. uh, we'll put Matt's name forward. Okay, we'll have some more after this. Hello, producer Matt here, just putting the finishing touches to the new members website for the media podcast, full of extra audio content from all the festivals we've been to and the ones that are coming up. If you pledged on Kickstarter and selected that reward, you'll receive an email in the next few days showing you how to log in. And how did we build this dynamic and, dare I say, beautiful website? Why, using the tools and hosting provided by the good people of Squarespace. They make it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio and online store. And if you want a shiny new website of your own, you can get a free trial and 10% off by entering the code MEDIAPOD at the checkout. As you'll see, we've dragged and dropped exclusive audio from the Edinburgh TV Festival and the next radio conference into the browser window, chosen a template that suits the lovely photos at our disposal, and that's it. We designed the whole thing in about 60 minutes. So, Kickstarter pledges, check your inbox for the link. And if you haven't pledged, but you're still interested in getting access, I'll have details on how you can do that in the next few weeks. Begin building your website with Squarespace today, and get 10% off when you use the offer code MEDIAPOD. We're in the midst of a series of media festivals at the moment. We had, of course, the media podcast coming from the TV festival last month. The Radio Academies Festival is in just a few weeks' time. And this week we had the next radio conference, which claims to find great creative ideas for radio. And isn't it lucky that we have one of the speakers and the organiser of the next radio conference around the table here at the Hospital Club to discuss it. Matt, how did it go from your perspective? Uh, it went very As, as the organiser rather than speaker. Uh, thank you. It went very well. Uh, it's the fourth year we've done it. Uh, it started off uh, four years ago when myself and uh, a guy called James Cridland, uh, I think probably in the pub, most good ideas start there, don't they? Uh, I think we'd been to something and thought it was dreadful. It was like, we could do this. We we could do this. Uh, and after 
not doing that for a couple of years we eventually decided that the way to do an event was to book a venue because then you have to do the event uh, anyway flash forward four years uh, it was on monday it went very well uh, it's a bit relentless for the audience all the sessions are either nine minutes or 18 minutes we got through 24 speakers uh, speakers from uh, npr and cbc from the bbc from global from bauer uh, independent producers a whole cross-section of them and the pitch is kind of people talking about ideas things they've done uh, things they like uh, lots of examples for the audience um, things to uh, fire the imagination that that uh, radio practitioners can take back to their, their radio stations or their companies. Uh, one of the speakers we had was from the government's digital service, Tom Lusmore, who's the, the deputy director there. And you think, what, government websites and radio? Well, they've done something in a different way, and he talked about why, uh, and it does um, fire the old neutrons in your head where you think about how that would work at your own organisation. Who was the best speaker? Oh, there's a there's a thing. Well, obviously, Helen Zaltzman's here, so it's <laughs> clearly, of course, clearly excellent. But be, what, be honest. Uh, well, what, well, what, what's interesting is I, I asked I always ask people what their highlight of the day yeah. was, uh, and everyone's got a slightly different um, uh, position on it because of what what their own interest is. I really like Tom's speech actually because he was non-radio. He's ex BBC, so Don't be offended, Helen. so had a, uh, had a uh, knew the sector, um, and that made me think in a different way. And so for me. He did a he did a, a great job. By far the biggest noise that came out of the It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Conference on social media was provided by Helen Zaltzman, and it wasn't just for the fine dress you were wearing. No, it was, although it, it is was a good because, dress. It was because of the slide you put above your head during your speech. Yeah, well... well. Right. Which said... Uh, well, OK, that just just to provide context, uh, I was on right at the end of the day mm-hmm. and I was uh, charged with the task of summarising the talks that had happened. Obviously, when I built the slideshow, I hadn't seen the talks because I had to get that done beforehand. And I thought, well, generally at radio conferences, people are either saying, oh, radio is bigger and better than ever, or radio is fucked. So my talk was about whether it's flourishing or fucked. And that slide and the, well, and the, and the attending photographs <laughs> got circulated very widely and made a very big splash. What, 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 what were your conclusions then from your little session? Well, 
I think my conclusions from the last few years of being somewhat involved in the radio industry and also somewhat on the outside are that like, there are enough listeners that won't die in the next few decades that this current generation of people who work in radio are going to be fine for the duration of their careers. But to be honest, there is a global audience out there they could be taking advantage of. And there's a lot of talent coming through in different ways, including podcasting, which I'm from. But, you know, the, the, it's not just, you know, starting local radio and then move up. And not all of them are taking advantage of these two pretty excellent resources and I find that very frustrating sometimes when they're like oh put all our weight behind DAB you think DAB like Blu-ray sort of coming in as a physical mm. format at a time when things are devolving from a single dedicated device for doing a thing and it was good at Next Radio this year that that seemed to be one of the themes you know spreading out onto different platforms and you know using your content in as many different ways to get to people as, as you can I've, I've been judging some student radio awards recently for, so have I how was it for you fun uh, time consuming but inspiring and I, and I think that students have got naturally what it's taken the, the radio industry sometimes to do is that radio stations are centres of energy information and enthusiasm and it doesn't really some matter some of them some of them and it doesn't really matter how you disseminate that it, it's basically mm. a ball of creativity which should exist on every platform that draws people into that centre in some way and I think the students that are coming through it was gratifying to see that they'd got that anyway yeah. and they were, they, were, they were developing apps they were working on social media it didn't have to be about audio they were visualising the yeah. lot and they just saw themselves as the centre of the student experience and I think radio can be the centre of someone's life experience and what radio has to work out is make it as easy as possible to consume that which I think we're going to talk about a little later on in this podcast yes, but also I think... Uh, they are still quite well resourced even though they're less well resourced than they used to be but making audio content is relatively cheap and yet there's a lot of not very interesting content around that costs a lot to make and I think they could uh, pull their socks up a bit and, and enjoy it while, while they still have those resources. And while you're on your soapbox, yes. what, would you, <laughs> Sorry. what would you change about the next radio conference? What, what, what didn't work? Uh, it wasn't very comfortable room to sit in, although it's a very cool room to look at, but very limited legroom, and I am short. I will make a note of that. We were at the Royal Institution where the Christmas lectures were. Yeah, but it's um, very, very cool venue, though. Style, style over comfort. That's, that's uh, the media all over. That's good. Uh, if you, we are putting up videos of all of the sessions for free on the Next Radio website. They are gradually going up. I think four are up as we record this now, and that hopefully a fast, few more. Fast editing work. It is, and hopefully a few more will be up. Uh, nextrad.io or just search for Next Radio Conference and you can find all those videos. Thank you, Matt. And I ought to report that Matt told us just before this podcast started that after organising the uh, the Next Radio Conference, he lost the use of his legs the following day. So I'm, I'm glad to see you've recovered and were able to walk yes. into the hospital club yes. to continue this podcast. Um, yes, now I mentioned uh, delivery of radio on various different platforms. Uh, Mike Hill from the UK Radio Player app has unveiled a new bit of kit at your conference which could revolutionise the way yeah, we I consume mean, audio in the future. I mean, just a bit of background so um, pretty much all UK radio stations use the same console for pop-up uh, listening to, to the radio on the internet, um, which has helped increase the amount of consumption that's been that way. And they've also launched some really great uh, radio discovery apps that do very well in the, in, the, in the download charts, over a million downloads of those apps. And a lot of that's about simplicity. Before we all worked together on Radio Player, everyone did it a different way and your computer might say you haven't downloaded this plugin or whatever, whereas now it kind of works uh, much more sweetly, uh, which has sort of meant that the Radio Player team... Uh, have become a bit of R&D for UK radio. It's supported by the BBC and commercial radio. Um, they're a good bunch and they're doing a good job making good things. So Michael has been working on an area which uh, 
just like those pop-up players were a little bit all over the place, uh, another place where it's a little bit strange, and that's in car. Now, an FM radio of old in the car seems fairly simple, doesn't it? You know, you scroll up and down the dial and you find the radio stations. Whereas now you've got FM, we've got AM, there's DAB, there's this thing on the internet. All the cars do it slightly differently. Sometimes you have to you have to select the band or the platform you're listening on, then dive into it to try and find the content. It's all a bit uh, asked about face, really. Can you provide uh, for these new cars a really nice environment? Uh, and what they've done is they have built uh, a device that takes feeds from FM, DAB, DAB Plus, uh, and the internet to concentrate on content. So it works. It's a box which goes in your car, and that might be made with the car when you buy a new one, or that might be as an afterfit. Then it Bluetooths to your phone, Android or iPhone, and gives you a really simple listening experience. So if you choose Radio 1, it might grab that off DAB. Um, but um, as you as reception changes uh, and, say, DAB stops, then it will automatically put it over to FM. And if FM disappears, it will try it on 3G. All happens magically in the background. As a listener, you shouldn't care what platform your favorite radio stations are on. And it will. It will just work, yeah. And so they built this prototype um, that definitely does work uh, and they're currently uh, talking to OEMs so original equipment manufacturers to get other people to roll it out or they may well just buy uh, a million of them and uh, sell them direct but what what I like about it is it's uh, the industry which has never had to think about radios before that's been someone else's job but you know what radio manufacturers have done a crap job on on UX on the user experience and, you know we know about our listeners so we're going to put that knowledge into the technology uh, to to get it into cars so that in that environment where we have 20% of our listening at the moment, uh, we maintain uh, that lead and give a good experience to consumers. I thought it was interesting, though, that this came out right at the same time as the first Apple CarPlay yeah. things were launched because, in a way, this seems like something that would have been absolutely invaluable a few years ago. What does CarPlay do? Uh, so CarPlay is like built into certain cars, but they have to work with the vehicle's manufacturers, but it does... It does Location. It does messages. It does voice voice activated uh, control of your audio. But this would be good for retrofitting a lot of cars if you don't want to have to buy a new car, which would be quite an inefficient way to get a sound system into your car. Uh, what, have we got we'll... to the point where I can get in my car and say, "Play me Helen and Ollie's Answer Me This podcast," or "Play me that comes the media pre-installed podcast. in every car"? <laughs> it should do. Helen. Yeah, I mean, you could just plug in your phone using a jack lead and then use the voice controls on your phone. Maybe. And, and this is kind of part of the problem. Like All of it massively varies car to car. Um, and there's a video of some user experience at the moment of, of modern cars and in-car entertainment systems. And it's pretty bloody awful. Now, the part of the reason that CarPlay, which is Apple's version of iOS for cars, in effect, um, so it uses your phone but then has a very Apple-looking dashboard. That's cool, but it only lets you use what Apple want you to use. The walled so, garden. Yeah. The so, famous so walled the, garden. So the question to Apple, we've said... So as the industry we've said to Apple where does broadcast radio fit into that they say oh that's up to the car manufacturers you talk to the car manufacturers who who on some models are putting in CarPlay they go oh don't know uh, I thought Apple would deal with that. And it's like, okay, well, your uh, consumers, this is not just radio protectionism, but your consumers will go, well, why can't I get Radio 4? I've got to, well, I've got to stream it, but I haven't got a 3G data plan and, uh, or whatever my, or whatever your thing is. So um, Everything that moves me away a, from being able to switch on the radio and instantly hear the station I want to hear mm. takes me away from listening to And radio. this is a bit of a preemptive strike, um, not against them, but by putting in a solution for car manufacturers. So there's no reason why CarPlay uh, and... And what Radio Player are doing can't work 
hand in hand um, but it, it means that um, the great bits about broadcast free to air great services on FM and DAB is in a really easy to use form uh, and it's, it's a great project the team have done Let's squeeze in some news in brief then Ipso do you know what Ipso Facto means Helen? Oh no I was classically educated and uh, it's all gone I believe because I looked this up before we uh-huh. went on air oh, uh, it advantage. means the fact of what it is Right. So if something is ipso facto something, it's because it's what it is. I think I've explained it that very clearly. It is what it is. One anyway. of the most pointless expressions yes. that is regularly bandied around. Ipso, uh, in this case, though, is the new body to regulate the press, which officially began its work this week in the same offices at as its discredited predecessor, the Press Complaints Commission. Excellent precedent there, isn't there? Um, well, that's a bit odd, isn't it? And also, it hasn't managed to hoover up all the newspapers that would you would imagine would want to sign up to it. The Independent, yeah. The Guardian, uh, Evening Standard have all not signed up. Do you think it's dead in the water before it's even started, Helen Zaltzman? Not necessarily, but I'm certainly mystified by what it's doing in the water and how it uh, plans to uh, swim to somewhere else. How's it going to improve people's lives, Matt Deegan? Well, when people who like marking their own homework don't even want them to mark their own homework, not all of them anyway, it seems a little bit odd, uh, they're going to do what they want and we're stuck with it. Yeah, self-regulation is uh, such a treat, isn't it? Well, it's, it's very young, so we'll give it a bit more time before we completely kill it off and move on to the subject of All Four, which is the new name for 4OD. Lots mm-hmm. of people changing names with predecessor organisations being given the kiss-off. Tell me about All Four, Helen Zaltzman. Are you excited by the idea that 4OD is mutating to this new platform? I am thrilled for them. It's not I really a new platform, is it? They've just rejigged the website well, and given it a new from name. From what I've read, yeah. They've yeah. rejigged the website and given it a new name. What I'm pleased about is that they're going to have the on-demand offerings from 4OD and also streaming what is on at the moment, which they didn't do before, which was a bit annoying, and they're going to have their other web content because it's not a joined-up experience. Yes, they're going to take a load of stuff which was on YouTube and put it onto this all-for basically website. It was on YouTube? Yeah, they had a YouTube channel. And they used yeah, but often you, can't even see, you can't see their YouTube stuff if you're in Britain, which seems really odd. That I always get that <laughs> geo-blocking. I think it's a personal madness. thing. It's not geo-blocking. Yeah. It's but, a Zaltzman block. Oh, damn it. But I think maybe also if there's content around the show, like often on their shows they're pushing that you go, you go to the website slash presenter's name and yeah. read a blog that they've written. So if that's all in one place, it makes a lot more sense. Uh, but mainly the streaming is uh, what I'm interested in, I guess, as I, as I use an actual television set less. Now, Matt, you've got some interest in this because you are a director of Fun Kids, and I believe that Channel 4 claim to have signed up half of all the 16 to 34-year-olds in the country to their website, and they're going to be very keen to retain them, aren't they? Uh, yeah, I think you have to register to use 4OD from memory, uh, so I'm not surprised they managed to sign up everybody. I think this is all broadcasters are looking at what Netflix is doing and are worried because they've done a good job of getting people to consume television in a different way. Same thing's happening with iPlay. Now, iPlayer uh, at the moment is a catch-up place, but they want to make it a destination where you start your TV experience. You can watch things live through iPlayer already. So they're, they're, Channel 4 are just catching up with iPlayer, really. Yeah, and but they, 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 they want, all of them want to try and get more of that time and not, and not cede it to, to other operators. I think consumers will probably just want to catch up with that episode of Location, Location, Location they haven't seen. And when uh, and, the difference and between the shift in They will type Location, Location, right location, okay. location into Google and press play on whatever box appears. It's in front just of a website at the end of the day. And finally, then, Guardian membership, the Guardian newspaper in a bid to increase revenue and maintain its free website they've launched a members scheme a mem- a mem- <laughs> what is the, what is this 
Uh, it means that if you pay £60 a month, you get to go on a tour of The Guardian occasionally and see editorial meetings. I mean, that 720 quid a year, you have got to be a pretty rabid Guardian devotee because why won't they just put up a paywall? That would work fine for them. They should put up a partial paywall. They would make lots of money. They could have done it 10 years ago. They could have been the only newspaper to make it work 10 years ago. And yet they still resist. Do as I tell you, Guardian. I'm only looking out for you. Maybe they should just turn King's Place into a theme park. Uh, to, Good idea. So I, I, in, You'd have water slides well, as well. In, the Alan Rusbridger ride. What? In Jurassic Park, you know, in the film, where they get in those seats and it shows them the area they do, all the genetic engineering. That could be sweeping past the newsroom, animatronic Alan Rusbridger, telling you the history of it. 20 quid a go, family of four for 80 quid, nice. Well, it's nice to finish on a rant and someone who's clearly fizzing with ideas. You've thought <laughs> about this. Um, before we go to our media quiz, which will end this week's podcast, this week it's called Casting Call, where I'm going to name a celebrity and you tell me the programme in which they've been cast. OK, so Casting Call. Uh, first name, George Clooney. Why and what has he been cast in? Oh, I think this appeared in the last 24 hours. Uh, he's off to Downton Abbey for a. a How do you not Christmas know this, Helen Zoltzman? I don't watch Downton Abbey. <gasps> Sorry. You read the news. <laughs> I don't read Downton Abbey news. Oh. Okay, well done, Matt Deegan. You are a little bit closer to a Cadbury's cream egg. Uh, next name, James Corden. What's he oh, been casting? He, he's got uh, Craig Ferguson's uh, late night chat show slot. And what I love about this is all the American uh, media pundits I read are like, who is this guy? So it's like they've got a new Piers Morgan that. Uh, they will probably resent slightly for not being American or for just being another white guy in that slot. Well, I didn't even know that Craig Ferguson... I know, I should have guessed from the name, another, but I didn't even point. know <laughs> that he wasn't an American. Um, so, yes, they're sort of replacing like for like. It's a strange uh, ecosystem, that, isn't it? The American chat show thing. You would have thought they'd find someone in America who knows great American gig, chat show. What a great gig for James Corden. Great yes, gig for James absolutely. Corden, and I'm sure he will earn pots of money even if it doesn't quite work out. So yeah. it's, 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 a, it's a no-brainer for him. Uh, so it's one all in the great Cadbury's Cream Egg we'll media quiz. No, no, no. <laughs> it's best of three. Five Finally, your question for the casting call. What's Nigel Farage just been cast in? Oh, he's off to LBC. Oh, Deegan gets the cream eggs, Altsman. Uh, James, James Rear, James Rear, where we see is excellent at capturing Isn't politicians to be uh, on his radio station. Uh, so phone Farage. I'm sure it's got to be called phone it Farage. It is called phone Farage. After call Clegg and ask Boris, you've now got phone Farage. That's going to be the worst audio rat's nest, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> That's it for this episode. My thanks to Matt Deegan. Thank you, Matt. And Helen Zoltzman. Thank you, Helen. We'll be back in two weeks. You can get the podcast as soon as it's ready by subscribing via our website, themediapodcast.com. This week's episode is dedicated to Alistair Bell, a jobbing producer currently working on This Morning for ITV. Thank you, Alistair. And to podcast fan Kevin Scutts, who declares a mystifying allegiance to the glow cloud. All hail the mighty glow cloud. My name is Nick Wallace. The producer was Matt Hill. Until next time, goodbye. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. 
I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 